podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. Well, this week it's off to the bright lights of Sin City, Las Vegas for the Shriners Children's Open. This is a great tournament, Elk. I always remember this as being the Justin Timberlake tournament. Remember, he had his name stamped all over it for the longest time. And now he's working alongside Tiger Woods. Apparently, they're going to open one of their golf bars in St. Andrews. I read about that this morning. And, uh, of course, Tiger and Timberlake are doing a joint venture where they have golf simulators, drinking, bowling alleys. What could go wrong in St. Andrews on late, <laughs> late Friday night, Diane, with uh, bowling balls and, and uh, golf simulators? Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, right, let's go back to the Sanderson Farms Championship last week, which ended in a five-way playoff. Very exciting to see. Exciting for everyone apart from Ben Griffin, who bogeyed the last hole to get into that playoff. And then it was won by Luke List, who sunk a 44-foot putt on the first playoff hole to get that victory, his second win on the PGA Tour. It was impressive to see Ludwig Aubert um, in that playoff, you know, after travelling back from the Ryder Cup and all the celebrations in Italy to put on such a great performance. I'm definitely going to get you to pronounce his name for me later in the show because <laughs> that was spectacular uh, <laughs> enunciation there. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I kind of wrote, I, I wrote off Aberg last week just because I thought he'd be tired after the uh, all the celebrations with, with the Ryder Cup, Diane, but you know, what is he, 24 years old? They don't they don't feel that, I guess. And um, I've said on this show many times already, when you when you hear other players talk about this young man's game, we have to listen. So I'm about to jump on that wagon uh, oh. because there's only one thing left for him to do, Diane. He won in Europe. He won on the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. He's Now he's got himself almost exempt for the PGA Tour. I think I looked at it, I took a peek. He's still only 113th or yeah. something. Uh, what's left? Well, a win would be what's left to get him where he rightly probably belongs, and that's in the Tournament of Champions come January. Yeah, it's so impressive. Bearing in mind, he only turned pro at the RBC Canadian Open in June, and then look what he's achieved since then, playing in a Ryder Cup when he's never actually played in a major uh, beforehand. So just he's definitely the, the rising star on the tour. And we see these guys, and, you know, very rarely does it go wrong for them. You know, we had Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, um, you know, Will Zalatoris, these guys come out, they make an impression straight away and they certainly live up to the hype. Right, I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later on on the Tour Report anyway, but let's have a look at the tournament this week. Shriners at Children's Open, TBC Summerlin in Vegas. Um, you know, because we've got this FedEx fall right now, we have guys that are looking to lock up their tour cards. That's mission number one. So getting within the 125 at the end of, you know, what, mid-November, at the end of the RSM Classic. Three, three, more, three more after this one? Um, so this is the third. So there's four more after this. One of them's in Japan, so not everybody will um, get in that one, right? Uh, I don't know if it's a case that they wouldn't get in. Maybe some of them just won't travel. Um, I guess it's a bit of a hefty schedule right now, but when you're fighting for your tour card, you have to <laughs> take the opportunity to get all of those points. We also know that the top 10 at the end of this FedEx fall 
we'll get into the first two signature events of 2024, which is huge because these are the, the big money, $20 million purse events. And the guys that are already within the top 50, their position can't change. So if they go out and get a win and 500 FedEx cut points, their position is locked in regardless. Tom Kim is back as defending champion and some other of the, the kind of headline names we have this week, um, JT Poston, Adam Svensson, Tom Hoagie. Um, you know, when you're looking at guys that are already safe um, for their position for 2024. So it's always an interesting time. Um, and these events, there's a lot on the line for a lot of guys, but it does look pretty different for some of them. Yeah, it's very uh, interesting that, of course, we have Lexi Thompson. We'll talk about her. She's playing this week as well. Weak field overall, but you noted there that there's a lot, a lot of guys that are just trying to get their tour cards. And there's a lot of frustration on the tour right now, Diane, because this is only, they've only had three. This is their third tournament they've got to play in out of the last nine weeks. Remember, there was a big break when the Tour Championship rolled around of five weeks off for these tour players. Yeah. And they're super frustrated. They're trying to make some money. Um, they're trying to get themselves exempt. And it's just, it's tough because um, <clears throat> the tour players are exempt. Some of them are exempt next year for these jump $20 million events that they're not going to be in. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a short season. I mean, I know your brother is involved in this. He's at, you know, outside looking in right now. He's got to play all the way to the end. Um, and we are going to talk about Lexi Thompson. Don't exactly know why Lexi is playing this week because it is not ideal scenario for a lady player to be playing this week just because of the way the competition breaks down for the tour players. Well, let's have a look at that because uh, Lexi Thompson got a sponsor's exemption into the tournament this week. She's the seventh female golfer to play in a PGA Tour event. Now, we are, I just want to say this out of the gate, that we're huge supporters of the LPGA Tour and women's golf and them getting more money and more exposure. Um, and you are one of the biggest advocates. You've got, you know, personal relationships with Stacey Lewis, with Jarena Mendoza. You know, you, you know a lot of them and, you know, admire, respect their games. But the Lexi Thompson addition to the field this week, it... It doesn't sit that well with me, if I'm being honest. And I think it's a bit of a random addition. Well, it is. And we always ask ourselves when we put a lady player into one of the events, what is in it for the lady player and what is in it for the golf fan? Uh -huh. Well, Lexi Thompson going to Vegas. Well, let me let me start by saying when Annika Sorenstam played in the tournament at Colonial, mm -hmm. it was a 6,900-yard course. We hit a lot of irons off the tees. There's a lot of positioning around ravines at Colonial. So it worked really well for, for her game, and she almost made the cut when she played there. Lexi Thompson's the longest hitter on the on the ladies' tour, but that only averages 270, uh, so, sorry, 270 yards on the ladies' tour. Mm -hmm. That's way last this week in this field. I mean, I played with Sahith Agala the other day at Champions. This guy hits the ball 305 yards average on tour, and he's ranked 50th. So Lexi's strength, of course, is driving her. She's at 270. She will be the shortest player by a mile in the Vegas tournament. I just don't see what's in it uh, for the golf fan here, Diane. If she does do well, which I hope she does, yeah. are we looking as golf fans to see who can play well under pressure and secure their card for next year? Lexi's in there. What, 
you know, what are we doing? Well, what's in it for the golf fan, but what's in it for Lexi? Um, and I saw Lisa Cornwell, who, again, I love to follow on social media, and I love the passion that she has for the LPGA Tour and for supporting women's golf and really putting it on the map. And she had said, you know, I hope Lexi goes out there and has fun this week. But... Like, is that it? Is that all that's in it for her is to go out and have a fun week? And is it really going to be that fun for her? Like, um, she came, she finished fifth last week, but she's not having a fantastic season. She's played 13 times. She's missed eight cuts. Um, She's sitting 91st on the money list for the LPGA Tour. I mean, I don't know, maybe it is going to be a great fun week for her, but um, I don't know. I thought... I'm the same as you. I can't see why it's happening right now at this time of year in this tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, fun is not the optimal word here. Um, I think, you know, when I think about Lexi, you know, playing this tournament and there's a sponsor exemption involved, I feel like because there's so limited access to these players that are trying to keep their card that spot should have went to somebody that had potential to lock up their job for next year. Lexi's got her job. She hasn't won on her tour in five years. As you said, she's ranked, what does she rank this year on their tour? Uh, well, she's 91st on the money list. She's 25th yeah. in the Rolex ranking right now. And maybe they put her in because she's a long hitter, but she's not a long hitter in this tournament. And she's probably mm -hmm. the shortest hitter by a mile. So, um, I, you know, I don't get it on this one. I would like to usually when they play a lady player, it's exceptional, having an exceptional season and it, it captures the uh, fans imagination to see where a lady would stack up against the top field. Now, this is not even a top field. We don't have any of the top, almost hardly any of the top 20 in the world playing this tournament. So what happens anyway? And people will argue that, um, you know, the sponsor's exemption, like the sponsors can pick whoever and it hasn't necessarily taken a spot away from someone else who's out there fighting for their career. But here's what I would argue with that is I hope she goes out and plays well this week. Like I really do. And she's like two and a half thousand to one to go and win um, down the very bottom of the odds board. And I would love her to go out and play well. I would love her to make the cut. However, what if by her making the cut, the guys that are T65 drop to T66 and, and miss the cut and don't get to play the weekend? And they're losing out on points when they're fighting for their tour cards to jump into that 125, even to get 126 to 150 and have conditional status on the tour for next season is huge. Um, and like, what what if that scenario happens? It, that's going to leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. I just don't think that this is the right tournament or the right time of year to be doing it, especially it's the first time that the tour have this setup where they're running to this calendar year schedule and these events for the FedEx faults, first time they've done it, it's new for everyone. So I think we need to just focus on that and the fact that these guys who, as you say, had to take five weeks off and now they're in the third event, you know, they had to miss two weeks with a week off and then the Ryder Cup. They want some momentum. They want to get going and, and fight for their place on tour next season. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'll, I'll finish with this. When Lexi goes out there, she's she's very popular with the, the men and the women. Yeah. And I just don't think she's going to get the sort of 
there'll be plenty of love and plenty of appreciation for Lexi's talent, but they won't, they won't be focused. The tour players won't be focused on it because they're so focused on keeping their own jobs that I think it'll be, won't be a cold shoulder for her, but it won't be, I don't think it's what the sponsors want. I don't, I don't know. Obviously they want her in the tournament and that's great, but I just, I just, it's the wrong week, Diane. It's the wrong time of year. Uh, Everybody is not mentally, on the same board there's mm-hmm. guys that are freewheeling out there that are uh like as you said aberg is freewheeling tom kim there's other guys that are tensed up trying to get their ticket it's just tough time of year to be on tour it really is okay then so let's look at the course tbc summerlin it's a par 71 7255 yards um Generous fairways here. The greens are big. Actually, since 2015, this course ranks within the top 10 of easiest courses on the tour. So low scoring, um, like what was it, 24 under par last year was the winning score. Uh, What do you think about this course and what are the guys going to have to do well? Well, it is. It's an easy course, Diane. 24 under is kind of the average score around here. Even someone with my mathematical skills can figure out that's six under each day. Um, <clears throat> who can shoot six under? Who can do, who can shoot six under each day? We know statistically wise that guys that have made a lot of putts, they've putted into the top five or top six for the week. That makes sense. I mean, we know the back nine can completely get torn apart, Diane. 13 is a par five reachable. 14 is a short three, then 15 is a drivable par four. 16 is on in two, par five, no problem. Um, I'm looking at players, Diane, that are hot, that are, you know, when I'm thinking about who, who can win this, it's six under each day. We saw Patrick Cantley. He's not playing this week, but he has just slaughtered this course over the years. Tiger Woods, of course, got his first ever victory on this course. 1996 beat David Slavin in, in a playoff. Um it's they rip it apart 24 under let's face it that's six under every day that's a birdie every three holes for the whole week i saw davis love play last week i went to the uh jim Furyk tournament in jacksonville on saturday and watched davis love play a little bit so it was fun i saw your buddy rocco media as well <laughs> i saw my friend glenn day finish third out of nowhere he's been his game's been off we I uh, reminded him that he plays a fade when we we're in when I was in Toronto a couple of weeks ago at an outing, and we had to it took about an hour to get that sorted out. So I hope I helped him. Okay, well, this week uh, greens and reg is a big stat, as well as overall strong tee to green. Sung J M won two years ago. He ranked top in both of those categories last year. When Tom Kim won, he was fifth in approach and third tee to green. So for me, those are the big stats I'm looking at. It's also, you know, we talk about this being an easy course, but it ranks really high in difficulty for around the green stats. So you have to hit those greens because scrambling is tricky around here. Yeah, you know, when you play a desert course, Diane, there's a lot of sort of runaway. So when you land, you know, there's there's a lot of roll, there's a lot of bounce away and there's out of bounds quite everywhere on this golf course it's it's not out in the middle it, it goes through a neighborhood and you know you've got to drive it well obviously uh get it in the fairway it's sort of like playing in a bowling alley once if you're driving the ball well and you continue to do it it's all about making birdies um as i said the ninth hole is a par five big scoring opportunities on the back 
we saw Jonathan Bird have a hole in one in the playoff here years ago in uh, on the 17th old par three, tricky little par three, but not much trouble really if you on this golf course at all, unless it's off the tee. If you start spraying it off the tee and you get these hard bounces, you can go against, you can go out of bounds, you can get behind trees, you can get in the desert, all sorts of issues. It's, it's sort of a it's sort of a conservative driving course, Diane, a tacking irons course, and then make everything get 24 under. Before we get into our picks, shall we mention 2020 where I had picked Martin Laird at 250 to one and he won the tournament. And I bring it up because when Jonathan Bird made that ace in the playoff, Martin Laird was part of it. So he's another one that, um, yeah, we'll talk about him later, but horses for courses. This is definitely one of those tracks where guys have a proven track record. And as we say, it's been part of the PGA Tour schedule for such a long time now. Okay, let's get into our picks then. We'll each give an outright favourite, one to watch, and a dark horse pick at over 100 to 1. And I last week, I know I was right there um, on the cusp of 100 to 1, a little below, but this year I'm way in there. Like, no issues. Do you want to go first? Because I think I know who your uh, outright favourite is this week. Well, as I said to you, I'll go first. Yes, I will indeed. Uh, 24 under is the idea we're doing this week, Diane. So I'm thinking, you know, who can do that? And would you give me uh, Mr. Aberg's first name so eloquently in that Scottish <laughs> accent? With the, with the- i tell you why. It's because I was listening to uh, PGA Tour Radio on Sirius XM last week, and they were they had a great section about how you pronounce his name. And they had asked him at the Sanderson Farms, like, how do you say it? And I can't even remember how he pronounced it, but it, they were calling him... Ebert. Ludwig Ober. <laughs> so I'm like, Ludwig we're going with that now. We're going to go Ludwig Ober. Ludwig Ebert. Okay. Ludwig like Ebert. Ebert. Like I saw Ebert, right? Yeah. Ludwig Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's only one thing left for this man to do, Diane. That's uh, win win this tournament. Uh, I sort of looking down the board here, Tom Kim, Siwoo Kim has, has a good record here. Who's going to win this tournament? Who's going to get the 24 under the quickest? I don't see anyone else that has that much momentum currently, Diane. I would normally not pick a guy. I didn't pick him last week because I figured fatigue had set in, but I'm I'm over that. I've passed that, that barrier. But this is going to be a simple course for him. This is going to be like Tiger Woods' first victory on the PGA Tour in 1996. It's going to be Aberg's first, uh, Aberg's first... <laughs> It's going to be Bear's first victory on the PGA Tour, Diane. He's going to have a Swiss Open and a Las Vegas Invitational. Uh, I think this man is going to get to 23 under. No okay. problem. That's the way he's playing. I just don't see anything stopping him. Do you? No, and he's great. I love the fact that last week they said to him, why did you choose to play in the Sanderson Farms? And he was like, well, I made a commitment. Like I said, I was going to be here. And he's obviously new to the PGA Tour. As we said, 113th in the FedEx Cup standing. So he's playing for his full tour card next year. And I don't think he's going to have any problems at all getting it locked up. So you are taking Ludwig Ober, And his odds are... Uh, where is he? Odds 14 to 1. So he is up there with the favourites, the Vegas favourites in Vegas this week. My guy, I found him at a few different odds yesterday. And at the start of Monday, 
he was, um, I think, 40 or 45 to one. Now he is 35 to one. So maybe people are catching on to Tom Hoagie. So he's going to be my outright favorite this week. Um, Hoagie has some erratic results under his belt of late because, well, he finished top 10 in Jackson last week at the Sanderson Farms and he played the DP World Tour back to back. So he's had back to back top 15 finishes, but um, the Irish Open was a really bad one for him. And for Tom Hoagie, I always think of greens and reg approach, great iron player. And that was a stat that just fell apart at the Irish Open. But you have to take into account he's playing in Ireland, different weather, different grass, um, you know, probably a little bit of jet lag as well. So I am just ruling that different one. Different beer. Everything's different. Different food, everything. A different accent. <laughs> so he is ninth in approach for the season on tour. He's 11th in total birdies, which he's going to need a lot of this week, as we said. Um, he also loves this tournament. He was fourth last year, seventh in 2018, 14th in 2021. And I just think that for Tom Hoagie, you know, getting things back on track, as I said, those two back-to-back top 15 finishes is uh, going to put him in a good place. He's in a already great position, obviously in the FedEx cup and doesn't have to worry about anything there. So I like it. Tom Hoagie this week at 35 to one as my outright favorite. Yeah, he could do something this week. I mean, he lacks a little bit of muscle power off the tee when you start to compare him to the long hitters like Aberg. Uh, but it's not a course you cut corners on. This is a perfect course for Hoagie. It's a sort of a down-the-middle type course for most of it. When you, The par fives, you can let her rip, uh, and we will see some of that. Yeah. Okay, then. So I am taking Tom Hoagie at 35-1, to 1, and you have Ludwig Aubert at 14-1. to 1. <laughs> Not even a that again like that. That's, <laughs> that's okay. Um, right, one to watch. A guy with slightly higher odds. Do you want me to kick off with mine? Yeah. Yeah, you do it. Another guy who had a good week last week at the Sanderson Farms and finished T16, um, Adam Spenson is going to be my pick. Now, I'm picking, these are two guys that are like well already safe within the top 50. So they're locked up for everything next year. He's 37th in the FedEx Cup standings. But he won the RSM Classic last November. That biorhythms thing, Elk, that's creeping back in for me because this is a good time of year for him. He's Canadian. He's gained strokes and approach in every tournament since July. Um, doesn't have great course history here at all, but looking at Adam Svensson and where his game's at right now, I just really like him. Um, when we did our re-ranking, he came out at number seven. Um, and like he's... Green across the board, seventh in strokes gained total in the field this week. So I, yeah, I'm going to take him as my one to watch. 40 to one. I found him yesterday at 60 to one. So there's a little bit of a spread across the odds boards. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Adam Svensson as my uh, my one to watch this week. Sorry. Good. Um, I am looking at a kid that finished in the top 10 here as an amateur a couple of years ago and lives in Las Vegas. And the only thing better than, you know, uh, knowing a course really well is, is when you live, when you live in that town, I'm talking about Justin Suck and he went to USC. Hey, I even nailed his name today. So we've had, <laughs> I, I saw your surprise in your eye. I detected. There's three layers in his name. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's number three in, 
he's number three in putting uh, in our re-ranking of of the of all the putters that are in this field. And I again, I'm, I'm Diane. I'm only thinking this week about uh, how who who can get to minus twenty four, who can actually win this tournament. Yeah, I've taken a local that puts really well, and he has a bit of motivation. He's outside of that top fifty number for next year's jumbo events. He's 80th on the money list. It's totally safe for his card. But what would a good week here do for him, Diane? Of course, the answer is it would put him in those jumbo events and he's got it in his backyard. And mm. guys that live at the desert, like in Phoenix or Vegas, they're used to playing desert courses. They know there's a little bit of uh, altitude out there. They know their yardage is really well. Justin Sarr played well here as an amateur two years ago. He missed the cut last year. And I even had him as a long shot last year as a rookie. Yeah. But I'm back on him again this year, Diane. Okay. Okay. Good one. Can I add another name into the mix? Because I was back and forth with this guy. Um, and now that I've got everything in front of me again, I'm like, why am I not picking him? Um, and you're, you know him well. Matthew Neesmith has yeah, great, he plays well. great course history here. Um, yeah, runner-up, um, 14th in 21, 8th in 2020, and 18th in 2019. And we've been looking at last five years, um, the their rankings for the tournament. And when you compare him against the field this week, he comes out at 5th in strokes gained approach, 3rd in strokes gained total. Um, like, great numbers, 20th in strokes gained putting for this tournament. So I, um, yeah, what's he, 60 to one, Matthew Neesmith. Um, yeah, he's got great course history and we did look at that, uh, but yeah. he's, his putting is not very, very good this season. Uh, but he's, he's, he's 72nd in the FedEx Cup, so he's got his tour card locked up. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's on that, that bubble of, of, of doing hmm. something great as well. Plays yeah. this course well, so yes. He's, okay. he's also your second one to watch. <laughs> oh, no. And I've got two dark horses as well. <laughs> but one of them is just a little comment to make at the end. Right, so the dark horses are 100 to 1 plus. Um, I'll let you start with yours. I have no idea who it is. Oh, you don't? Okay, good. Um, I've got, like, I think I've got a 250 to 1 shot, but okay. it's way better than that. Uh, this man has played in this tournament. This will be the 10th time he's played. He has like an 80% cut rate with... Just plays well here every time. And the reason I picked Chesson Hadley this week, he played well. Yes, he did play well last week, Diane. But he's 127 on the money or on the FedEx right between a rock and a hard place to get his tour card. He must honestly be thinking, I can't wait to get to this course because I play this course so well. Uh, 10 years he's now played in this tournament, as I said, 80% cut rate, playing well. Mm -hmm. uh, knows this course better than anyone. I'm on, I'm on this man all day for, for at 127th on the money. Certainly, Diane, we look at different weeks. We look at different motivational points. Mm -hmm. The one I'm looking at here is where he is on the money list. He has a young family. He needs to stay on tour. He will not be playing cards and going to the disco and drinking wine out of the bottle at 2 a.m. in Vegas down at Sin City as, as you <laughs> open the show. He will be staying out at the Red Rock, going to bed at 8 o'clock, and playing great this week. 
Okay, okay. And yeah, as you say, it was a good week for Jason last week as well. Okay, I am taking another guy that has just fantastic course history here, including a win in 2012, Ryan Moore at 200 to 1. He's going to be my long shot this week. Obviously loves this tournament. As I said, he won it in 2012. He has an additional five top 20 finishes. He's 149th in the standings. So 125 is the number, but then the guys 126 to 150 have conditional status. So he's now like back against the wall, have to do something. Um, Approach is Ryan Moore's game. So it's no surprise that obviously he's done well. He's top 20 on tour for the season, uh, number 17. But when you look at the guys that are playing this week, he ranks in fifth um, fifth in approach and when you look at his course history here as we said we're looking at the last five years at the Shriners he comes in 20th in approach 33rd in putting and 23rd in strokes gain total so he's got great numbers at this course and um, obviously the results show that as well but I really like it um it's just a pressure packed time like we talked about that at the top of the show and sitting at 149 is not a comfortable place to be for Ryan Moore so 200 to 1 big week he knows he's got to make it happen and perfect course to do so for him yeah he plays the desert courses really well one of the best amateur careers of all time uh, Ryan Moore always liked everything about his game wouldn't surprise me at all if he plays well this week can I give you yeah, one are we going to do a prediction for Lexi Thompson this week? We should. We can. can I give you my other dark horse? And it's not oh, like... Sorry. I, no, I, I, I have to talk about Martin Laird, don't I? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Scotsman. Yeah, and we hit that 250 to 1 with him three years ago. So... Um, I looked Martin Lear for a top 10 finish plus 8.50. A top 20 finish is top 3... is uh, plus 3.50. So he has two wins at this tournament a runner-up and two additional top 20s. And he's coming off three top 20 finishes in his last five starts. So he's playing well, again, at a really pivotal time of the year for him, given his FedEx Cup number. So I'm just going to throw him throw him into the mix. Can't leave him off. Good. Uh, I think you, you have to. You're obligated to put another Scotsman up there. Yeah. I mean, if there's a Scotsman in the thing, Robert McIntyre, obviously you, you've no. got a pin-up of pin-up of him in your house somewhere I'm picking my brother I do not have a pin-up of my brother but I I'm just gonna say it right now, now no Robert McIntyre you have a pin-up of Robert McIntyre no, no he's a child <laughs> I <laughs> meant of I meant as a as a Scottish icon I love him uh, as golfer. a Scottish golf icon I really do um I had a dream yeah, yeah. last night that my brother won the tournament at 22 under par like and it's not often I, I've had a few golf dreams before, but that was a very vivid dream for me last night. So I wasn't going to talk about it on the show, but maybe I'll just throw it in at the end. And um, that's, that's an important, that's an important piece of information there. I had a dream. My daughter's going to have a, a boy. So we, we don't know. So that, that was, that's where I'm at. Well, you know, I'm team boy all the way. So yeah. That is so cute. All right. Well, those are our picks. Um, Lexi Thompson, you want to make some sort of a prediction as to where she's going to finish this week? She's um, two and a half thousand to one to win. <laughs> Just. Yeah. You know, we talked at Le about Lexi at the top of the show. Uh, I just, you know, again, we don't know why, you know, the, the tournament sponsor, we don't know what it's in it for the golf fan. We're not even sure what's in it for Lexi. She will be the shortest hitter of this whole uh, event. Mm -hmm. which is her strength. Um, 
she hasn't played well this year on the LPGA. I just don't see her factoring at all, Diane. It'll be interesting to see how they're going to spin it on TV. Is it, are we going to be looking at uh, uh, her relationship with the other players in her group, the distance and how, you know, how are they going to, how do you, I don't, how are they going to put it together? Do you think? I don't know. I was just going to check to see if the tea times were out yet, but I don't think they are. Um, so I don't know who she's playing with, but I, who do you think they're going to put her with? Like, are they going to put her in a huge headline group with? I don't think they, I don't think they're not, I don't think they can put her in a huge one as a sponsor invite. I think they, she, her category as a sponsor invite first two days doesn't get her to put her in a TV group. Mm-hmm. But hey, the, you never know these days with the tour, they could do whatever they want, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, enjoy this week. It's What was your there. prediction? I mean, I don't think she's going to make the cut. Um, and the, as and I feel like I have to keep saying this, I, I want her to do well and I want her to have a great week. Um, and I agree with LPGA Tour players getting sponsor places in PGA Tour events. I just don't think this is the right one or the right time. And this is a mean thing to say, and I don't mean it like that because I'm not a cruel person, but... I don't want her to make the cut because I feel it takes a place in the weekend field away from somebody who's potentially got their career on the line for next year. So it that that bothers me slightly right now that it could change the weekend for an awful lot of people. And we know we saw it at the Corn Ferry Tour Finals at the weekend. One putt, one point is the differential between well, it feels like life or death at the time. So I just, yeah. Um, and as you said, yeah. maybe I'm a little fired up because my brother's outside the 125 right now and we're like, come on, everything counts. Like, it, it has to. I'm like you. I want the women players to play for a lot more money, but Lexi's not going to win any money this week. She would be better playing on her to where she would win some money. Yeah. She won $75,000 last week. She's not winning $75,000 this week. Mm-hmm. If she does... That's a miracle. Well, enjoy Vegas this week and the Shriners Children's Open. Next week, it's the Zozo Championship in Japan. It's going to be interesting to see who makes the trip over there. Then they've got a week off. Then it's the new Cabo event in Mexico. Then Bermuda. Then the RSM Classic. And then it's all over. So big couple of weeks coming up. Yes, indeed, Diane. Uh, everyone is, is, you know, the guys that are outside the 125, a lot of pressure. We'll be watching that very closely this week, including your brother who's outside. A few of my friends are also outside. Chris Stroud, we're tracking. Jason Duffner, we're tracking outside of 150. Both are playing this week. Uh, so, yes, there's a lot of things for us to keep an eye on. Excellent. Right, okay, we will be back next week to talk Japan. Podcast Network.